Tweet at SFM Radio and at Ayanda Ali P. Jimmy Require with uh, virtual insanity. He says the future is made of virtual insanity. And if you're anything like me, I always approach new technology with a great deal of anxiety because I'm like, there's something else I need to learn now. I must apply my mind to this particular gadget, to this way of doing things, and it just makes me anxious. But I've learned that it's the way of life, and I must just be strong. Ne? JBS. You must apply yourself to these things because you can't ignore it. Change is the only constant in life. So apply yourself to whatever new developments are there. Make sure you don't get left behind. The British singer there, Jeremy Require, in the, that music video is seen traveling without moving and he's a warning against the threat of insidious technology that's taking over dum, 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 and uh, increasing control over humanity. And uh, that was back in 1996. Can you believe it? It's just the art, no. And if he were to fast forward and see uh, what would be happening today, I wonder if he would consider himself prophetic because what he saw back then in 1996 that the future would be, we're living in and will be in the next uh, year or so, if not five years. Well, if you're still waiting for the future, I'm here to tell you the future is here. The future is now. And it's not all bad, right? It's not all bad. Some of it is very good. Especially when it comes to healthcare, right? There's been too many reports of botched uh, surgical surgeries or um, medical procedures, uh, both here at home and further afield. And we thought here on the Life Happens Bureau of Investigations, <coughs> we're having none of it anymore, not in this day and age. We thought let's ex- let's explore some of the ways in which we can use technology um, to sort of boost um, surgical procedures and medical uh, procedures and have them safe and have them successful successful using a 3D printing machine. Here's how it works. And I'm going to try not to confuse myself in this explanation as well. So doctors are able to recreate any part of the human structure in a form of a 3D image. They get this from 3D medical scans such as CT or MRI. And they take uh, the image put it into a software program, which then enables them to print a plastic 3D model of the image. By so doing, they can use a prototype to plan and perform procedures with a greater measure of safety and efficacy way before you get there for the surgery. So from what I understand, it's uh, the 3D printing technology itself is not necessarily new, but it's considered too costly for everyday use. And that was the case until recently. So it's new in that regard, that it's more accessible now and more affordable. And, uh, yeah, no, my explanation didn't help me much either because I'm still a little bit discombobulated. I'm quite confused by it all. So if you're just as confused and you're thinking, okay, let's talk more about the prototypes and this 3D printing machine and surgical procedures and so on and so forth. Let's get an expert opinion. We are joined by orthopedic surgeon and researcher. He is joining us on the line, Dr. Rudolf Fenter. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Good afternoon. I, I really liked your, your summary there of how the technology works. You know, Doc, I just think I read well. You know, it was just nice, fancy language, <laughs> but I didn't comprehend what I was reading either. So can you break it down for us in layman's terms? What are we talking about here? Um, as I said, you described it very, very well. For, for your listeners, we don't know how 3D printing works. Um, uh, an explanation I sometimes use is just to say that a machine makes a tangible model, usually out of plastic, out of something that you 
designed on a computer screen. Mm-hmm. And um, what we do in medical 3D printing is we use our patient's CT scans and MRIs as a basis to design these forms. So um, in orthopedics, what we've been doing at Tigerberg Hospital um, and here at Stellenbosch University is um, making models of patients' bones um, before we do the orthopedic operations on them. Um, and it's given us an amazing opportunity to practice, to literally rehearse the surgery before the patient even comes to hospital. Hmm, that's quite impressive. Has it led to more successful surgeries? So that's, it's, it's difficult to prove that the success rate has gone up. The cases we usually uh, use this technology for are very difficult or maybe once-off operations where the real benefit, I would say, is the surgeons going into theatre are a lot more uh, confident. Um, you go into theatre with a, with a real sense of deja vu. I've done this operation before. We've implanted these... Uh, um, we've, we've done this operation before. Mm. And um, being so much more confident, especially when you're faced with a very tricky orthopedic procedure to do, mm. um, makes all the difference. And does it expedite the process at all? It does, actually. Um, a, 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 an example that I can use is um, a, f- a month or two ago, we uh, had a patient with a kind of dwarfism. It's called achondroplasia. Um, so the patient was a dwarf and he needed a hip replacement. We weren't sure whether or not our um, our implants were going to fit um, his short in stature. Mm. So we printed out the femur and the pelvis and literally rehearsed the operation until we were sure that we had the right implants. We made all the bone cuts in the right place. Um, and it gives you the freedom to also um, make mistakes, print the bone out again, be sure that you're going to do it perfectly and be sure that you're doing the right operation for the mm-hmm. patient. It's really cool. The most exciting part, though, I have to say is, number one, even though this technology isn't new, um, the cost of the printers has down so much and the software that we use um, is so much easier to use that this has really become very cost-effective. Mm. And now patients who walk into Tiger Hospital, which is a state hospital, um, walk into the hospital off the street, can now also benefit from something that was really mm. in the realm of private healthcare and funded research. Oh, here, um, here. It's, it's really amazing. Yep. It's happening at Tiger Hospital. Um, it's, it's the first... It's the first medical 3D printing unit in a state hospital that I know about here in South Africa. Um, it's being used at Curtis Kier as well. Um, um, but the 3D printing is done by the engineering department. Um, and we're hoping with uh, the research that we're doing now that we'll be able to 
set up a kind of blueprint that it can mm. be rolled out at other secondary level hospitals in the country too. Well, look, we have a new uh, health minister, so here's to hoping he's listening, and and we'll see how we can roll it out. But it would yeah, be interesting. We need funding. Funding. Yes, exactly, <laughs> and that's exactly where I'm going. I, I was just about to say it would be interesting to find out what led to the reduction uh, in costs. And of course, when mm-hmm. we say the costs are less, it doesn't mean it's entirely free. So we still uh, need uh, a certain amount in order to purchase uh, mm-hmm. the equipment. So I suppose my question is twofold. Number one, what led to the increase, uh, the decrease? And uh, mm-hmm. number two, how much uh, are we looking at in terms of uh, the equipment? Mm. So I don't know if you've heard about something called the fourth industrial revolution. Oh, that rings Sounds a bell, really- yeah. It sounds it sounds very it sounds very impressive, but <laughs> it sounds very complicated. But what it what it refers to is this phenomenon where different spheres of technology are getting better and more accessible, and then these technologies converge and make a new difference in a different place. So, so usually engineering, it's the engineers and the manufacturers. And they need 3D printing technology. So they put a lot of money into making the machines cheaper, making the machines more efficient. Um, and then something like what we're doing at Tigerberg is an unexpected spin-off of these advances in other spheres of technology. Mm-hmm. So the, the machine that we have in the orthopedic department um, was bought by the University of Stellenbosch um, with an equipment grant. And um, it cost about 150,000 rand. Um, and the plastic that we use um, costs only a few hundred rands for a whole kilogram. Mm-hmm. So let's let's say, for instance, we're doing uh, we're rehearsing a case, um, and we print out the models. Then the consumables are probably only a, a, about a hundred rand for a a case. Um, the designing of the virtual model that costs a bit more time because it's user intensive we sit down and make the models on a computer and that takes a few hours but we've literally brought it down from something that used to cost tens of thousands of rands to costing one or two thousand rand Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay okay so here's what we're going to do we'll take a quick ad break right now and then when we come back i'd like to find out um some of the advancements regarding this technology every single bit of equipment is always going through changes and uh, is always being adapted and improving so i'd like to know what our global counterparts are using now or how far they've advanced with this uh, 3d printing and where we're headed and what the future Mm -hmm. looks like in this uh, department as well so let's take a quick break that conversation when we return Reason to be cheerful. 1 to 3 p.m. Ayanda Ali Payne on SAFM. We're fast approaching the end of the show, so let's quickly wrap up our conversation about 3D printing and its role in surgical procedures. We're joined by orthopedic surgeon and researcher on the line. It's uh, Dr. Rudolf Fenter. Doc, you know, when we first had cell phones, we were so excited about these huge mm. bricks that were there. We're like, can you believe we can talk to someone remotely, so on and mm. so forth. The, the way in which uh, those devices have advanced, I mean, it's unbelievable. We now can do everything on our phones or almost everything. So when it comes to 3D printing, what does the future have in store? How advanced is the tech at the moment? And what does it look like going forward? Mm. So 
when we started this unit about two years ago, um, we could only print with a very limited set of materials. So in other words, the model that I produce is made out of a a specific kind of plastic. Um, We're now now approaching an area where we'll soon be able to print with materials that we can implant into the patients. So in other words, um, manufacturing out of titanium um, or another metal alloy, um, the actual implant that is going to go into the patient's body. Mm. Um, in between, um, we can also start um, uh, manufacturing instrumentation that we use uh, while we're operating. For instance, um, a little a little block that guides the saw into just the, exactly the right angle to make sure that we don't make mistakes. That's called patient-specific instrumentation. Um, and then, um, in the distant future, well, I hope it's not that distant, but it's also coming, is, of course, this whole thing called bioprinting, where um, we use um, um, certain materials that are compatible with the tissues in your body. I thought and then, so. <gasps> and then these structures that we print, we then uh, seed with stem cells um, out of the patient's own body. Mm-hmm. Imagine printing out a sheet of new skin for someone. I was just about to ask if you're going to use human tissue. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. amazing. So, so that's for us, that's still very off. We're still grappling with um, the technical aspect of um, making um, uh, uh, printing with metal so that we can implant mm-hmm. um, uh, devices into patients. Um, but I don't know if you've, if any of you um, are, are following what's happening at Stellenbosch University. Um, they're building a um, a massive biomedical research facility here at Stellenbosch University at Targiver campus, mm-hmm. um, and hopefully we'll be able to take it into the realm of bioprinting in in my, a decade or so. Um, but yeah, that's that's where it's going, and it's a very exciting field to be in, and. Um, it's, uh, as you said earlier, it's very important for us as a university to stay current. Um, yeah. Because if we don't, um, if we stagnate, then all of this, all of these advances overtake us. Yeah, yeah. Doc, we're going to have to leave it there. Thank you very much for your contribution. Thoroughly enjoyed it. No, thank you. It's thank a privilege to be on your show. Oh, my really goodness. Thank you so much. Don't be a stranger. Let's chat soon. Okay, bye-bye. Ugly a doctor can call those things exciting. I'm thinking about using human tissue to create other things, and I'm like, oh, this is so scary. And he's like, oh, so exciting. But hey, uh, to each his own, I suppose. Thank you so much for having joined us for the last two hours of this show. Absolutely exciting. That, I can say, was exciting. Let's do it all over again tomorrow. It's at 3 o'clock.